read part one of our series called Hallmark. Don't just leave a legacy, live a legacy. And I want to, I want to pick up right where we left off. Talking about Shamgar. We will never tell the story that God wants us to tell. We will, we will never live the lives that God wants us to live. We will never live a life that is worthy of God, that is worthy of Jesus Christ, if we don't start working out of our strengths, the strengths that God has given us, and start applying those strengths to our lives. We need to start doing that. That's what Shamgar did. In Judges chapter 3, verse 31, it says, After Ehud came Shamgar, son of Anath, who struck down 600 Philistines with an ox goad. He too saved Israel. Shamgar used his strengths. Shamgar used what was at his disposal. Shamgar used what he knew best to change the world, to impact the world around him. He teaches us that, that it is more important, think about this, it is really more important to fully exploit your strengths than it is to marginally improve your weaknesses, right? We need to fully exploit the strengths that God has given to each one of us. God has called each one of us. God has gifted every single one of us. God has given us talents and he's given us our time and he's given us our treasures and he wants us to exploit our strengths. Listen, here's the reality. I am never going to be a great church administrator. Right? That's not that's not my gift. No matter how hard I tried and I've become adequate, you have to be adequate, you have to be good in order to start a church and kind of keep it going and that kind of thing. But so I've learned a lot, I've read a lot of books, I've tried really hard, but it doesn't come natural to me. And no matter how hard I tried to be really excellent at being a church administrator, I would never even come close to so many of you. Because that's where God has gifted you. You get up in the morning, that's the way you think. You live that out in your lives. What I'm responsible to do is to use the strengths that God has given me to impact his kingdom. I don't have to worry about the strengths that God has given you. You have those strengths. We, you're, you're using them within the body of Christ. What I need to do is I need to use the strengths that God has given me. To fulfill his purpose for my life. That's my responsibility. Shamgar didn't have a sword. And Shamgar Shamgar didn't have like a a big spear, if you will. The way they use him for, for war. He didn't have those things when he fought the 600 Philistines. But he didn't need them. Shamgar did. He didn't need those things. We don't need a lot of the things that we, we think we need in order to be successful in the kingdom of God. We don't need a lot of the things that we think we need in order to be successful in life, in the life that God has given to us. You may not believe that you have what it takes, but the only thing that it really takes is God. When God calls you to do something, you think, oh, I don't have what it takes. I'm not the right person for the job. 
So you don't think you have what it takes, but honestly, to be really honest with you, read the scriptures. All it really takes is God working through you. Think about it. When God called Moses in Exodus chapter 3, and I'm going to paraphrase all this in my Jeff Greer paraphrasing. But when God called Moses in Exodus chapter 3, he turns and he go, he's talking to him through a burning bush, right through the burning bush. And uh, he's talking to Moses and he's saying, hey, Moses, he wants him to do this. And he's kind of laying it out, out all out for Moses. And Moses immediately goes into this, the excuse mode, right? God starts speaking to him and Moses starts making excuses. He's like, man, I don't, I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes to do what you're asking me to do. God, you called the wrong guy. Look around. I'm not the person that should be doing this. Why am I up here in this mountain? I'm not the guy for the job. And so God says to Moses, in chapter 4, verse 2, he, he asked Moses, and again, I'm paraphrasing, he says, hey, Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses is like, what? I don't see anything. He said, what is that in your hand? And he says, oh, this whole thing, it's just a shepherd's staff. Ignore it. I just, it helped me get up the mountain. And he says, here's, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to take that stick, and I want you to staff, and I want you to throw it on the ground. And so Moses can do that, right? Throw a stick on the ground. So he throws a stick on the ground. He throws his staff on the ground, and the staff turns into a snake. And so Moses does, does what any red-blooded, you know, Israelite would do. Sees a snake and starts to run, right? And he started running. God's like, whoa, 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 come back here. Come, Moses, come back here. Here's what I want you to do. And Moses is like, that's a big old snake. I don't think I should be going messing with snakes. My mama taught me not to pick up snakes. But God said, Moses, I want you to pick up that. And it didn't say it in the Bible, mama told me not to pick up snake. But he said, pick up that snake by the tail. And when he picks a snake up, it turns back into a staff. So Moses picks it up. God is asking. He's asking every single one of us. What do you have? What is it that you have? What is in your hand? What is in your heart? What is in your mind? What do you have? What is your ox goad? Right? This is an ox goad. When it says that Shamgar is a, an ox goad has a chisel like the on here, like a chisel like sharp area up here. And then he's got, it's got a spear, kind of a spear on the other side of it. An ox goat was used to prod. We talked about this last week. If you didn't hear the sermon last week, make sure you, you can go online and get it. But an ox goat is used to prod an ox to move him along to pull, okay, to plow. And the other side was used to kind of knock the dirt off of the plow, the mud and the dirt that would get built on the plow. Okay, so it had a big sickle-like blade on this side. And pretty, pretty nasty kind of thing if you were to be hit by it. And then a poker on this side, right? A spear on the other side. And he would use it to prod and he would use it to knock. The, and that's what he had. That was his ox goat. And God is saying to every single one of us, what do you have in your hand? What is that you have in your hand? Oh, nothing. What do you have? I'm not, I'm not asking you what you don't have. I'm not asking what you can't do. I'm asking you what do you have and what you can do. So that's what, that's what God says to Moses. What do you have in your hand? What is your ox goat? What, I can use whatever, whatever gifts, talents, and abilities I've given to you. I'm going to enhance those and I can use them to glorify myself. Here's the thing. It was the same staff, okay? If we turn this around, Moses had a staff, all right? It was the, this was the same staff that we're talking about. He threw it down that Moses used to turn the Nile River red with blood. 
The same staff. It was the same staff that he held out in front of him and parted the Red Sea. The same staff. It was the same staff that all kinds of miraculous things when he was saying to Pharaoh, let my people go. It was the same staff he used in the wilderness to do all kinds of miraculous things there. The same staff. What do you have in your hand, Moses? That's all I need. I need your obedience. I can turn this into whatever I need it to be. The power comes from me. What do you have? What is your ox goat? I can use that. Shamgar had an ox goat. Moses had a staff. Neither one of those things is too powerful, right? They're pretty simple kinds of things. But in the hand of a living God, they become a mighty weapon. In the hands of a living God, not in the hands of Moses, not in the hands of Shamgar, but in the hands of a living God, those two simple tools become, they were tools that a shepherd used and a farmer used. And in the hands of a living God, they become mighty weapons. What do you already have? Ask yourself, right? What do you already have that God can use to impact his kingdom? What has God given you that will help you live out your legacy? This series is called, Don't Just Leave a Legacy, Live a Legacy. You're not going to be the one to decide what your legacy is. The people you leave behind are. And if you want them to talk about you in a certain way, the reason we call it hallmark is a hallmark is a characteristic of a person. A person's characteristic. They're right, they're right, they, what it's, it's what identifies them. If you want to be thought about as a, a kind person or a, a person who's patient or a person who has faith in God, then you need to live that out. You need to live that legacy so you leave that legacy. And God is saying, what do you have right now in your life that I can use? Not what, what don't you have? Sometimes, seriously, we don't need anything but a thought. We don't need anything but just a thought. God gives, and he does this for so many of us, he gives us a thought. And then he tells us, I want you to speak that thought. And I want you to speak that thought into existence. And we start to talk. This is what's great about the church. God gives you, when God gives a Christian a thought, many times it's called a vision. And when God gives you a vision, you better, you better act on it. You need to act on it. So many people, God gives them a vision, and the first thing they say is, I don't, I can't do that. I'm not your man. I'm not your woman. I don't think. I don't have what it takes because he gives you this vision and the vision's out there and you're going, I could never, I don't have the organizational skill to pull that off. I don't have the organizational skill to pull Grace Chapel off. I don't have the organizational skill to pull back to back off. I don't have the organizational skill to start self-sustaining enterprise. I don't, have the, I don't have the organizational skill to do those things. But God wasn't asking about your organizational skill because he's got plenty of people who have organizational skill. He's got plenty of people come alongside you and he'll give them the same vision. He'll give them the same thoughts. And, they, and then all of a sudden these people come together and something amazing happens. Why? Because he's using each one of us and saying, what do you have in your hand, Moses? I can use that. I can use this. I can use this. I can use that. I can use this. I can use this. And all of a sudden, 15 years later, 10 years later, five years later, you're doing something. You say, That was immeasurably more than all I could ever ask or imagine. Shocking. Because it was God that was doing it through you. 
God doesn't care what you don't have. God cares what you do have. David used what he had to fight Goliath. You think about the Bible. Let's go through just a couple. I'll mention a couple. David used what he had to fight and take on Goliath. This massive, massive soldier. A sling. A sling. What do you think everyone was laughing at him? He comes walking out in the battlefield. You know what he could do with that sling? If I went back and looked historically, I won't get into all the details, but someone with a sling like David when he was fighting off lions and bears and protecting his sheep, from 150 to 200 yards, he could knock a bird out of the air from that far away. I mean, you're talking the accuracy. When Goliath walked up, well, all stuff on David. Goliath's like, hey, come to me, let's fight. And David's like, no, I don't think so. You know, Goliath never saw it coming. I mean, he did see it coming. Boing. That was the end of it. David did exactly what he knew how to do. He used what was... David, what is in your hand? A sling. Go. Moses, what is in your hand? A staff. Go. Shamgar, what is in your hand? An ox cord. Go. Because I am with you. I am your God. And David said it. I'm going ta- to knock you down and cut your head off because I am fighting in the name of a living God. What is in your hand? So David used what he had, a sling. For the boy who was um, in the story of feeding the 5,000, right? The feeding of the 5,000. Five loaves of bread and two fish fed 5,000 people. 5,000 people. He used what is in your hand, two, two fish and five loaves of bread. And he, and he used that. Samson, Samson, a little smaller, but used the jawbone of a donkey. And you say Shamgar took on 600 people with, a, with, a, with an ox goad. Samson took on 1,000 with a jawbone of a donkey. He used what, what is in your hand. What was in your hand. That's what God wants you to use. Jesus, for goodness sake, he used dirt on the ground, right? He'll pick up dirt. Forget the dirt. I was reading, as I'm reading through the New Testament again, I'm thinking, how did Jesus heal people? Jesus didn't even have dirt. He just had spit. He just spit. Go look at it. Guy's deaf. Jesus gives him wet willy. That's what he did. He literally took his finger, he spit on it, and he stuck it in the guy's ear. The guy's like, oh man, give me a wet willy. Wait, I can hear. Shocking. Jesus was spitting on people. He was spitting on everyone. People, he was spitting, you know, they're probably running around trying to get the spit. Hit me. Hit me with the spit. People say, oh, I don't even, uh, you, I don't have spit. Yes, you do. If you have saliva in your mouth, God will use that. He doesn't even need mud. Jesus just used spit. Look it up. He healed people over and over with spit. It's like your mom. Let me help you. I got something in your face. You know what I mean? Ran around spitting on people, giving wet willies, rubbing on their eyes. But he was healing people with just spit. It's not about what you don't have. It's you don't even need to have anything in your hand. If you have saliva in your mouth and God wants to use that, God's going to use that. He doesn't need it. A thought, spit, doesn't matter. God says, I want this to be done and God will use whatever you have to accomplish what he has for your life. God doesn't need anything. God doesn't need anything. He just needs the thought and he needs the faith behind the thought. These examples should challenge every single one of us to stop focusing on what we don't have and to start focusing on what we do have. The strengths that God has given to us. 
William Wilberforce, who I love, wrote a book in 1796 called Real Christianity. And this is what he said. He said, Christians living their entire life looking unto Jesus is diligently to cultivate the talents with which God has entrusted him. We are to cultivate the talents which God has given us. We all, man, seriously, some people, you, you just stunk at math in school and you were terrible at biology or whatever else. And you, you kind of never, you look it up, you try to get a little better. But you know what? You, you made it through the class. You know, you should have, a, you know, some kind of, some knowledge of those things. If you're not great at them, you need to, you need to add and subtract and do those kinds of things. What God is saying, what God is saying, you need to use the strengths that I've given to you and you need to cultivate the strengths that I have given you. And if you start a business, go get someone who knows math, math way better than you do. If you don't know your numbers, find people who can help you and under, to understand those numbers, because that's going to make you successful, because you're, you're just not very good at that. But there's a lot of other believers around who could come alongside you and impact your life with the skills that God has given them. Wilberforce sees maximizing our talents and our strengths and our abilities, not simply as, he sees it not simply as commendable or as nice, but he sees it as basically an obligation that each one of us have. An obligation. These aren't suggestions that God has given us to use our strengths and to, 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 to enhance our strengths. They're commands. God is commanding us to do these things. Use the strengths that I have given you. and Use whatever I have given you. Even if you don't see it as a strength, if you, if I ask you to use something, you need to use it and I will strengthen you. I will give you what you need. Living a legacy means using whatever we have, whatever we have to offer in the moment. Living a legacy is we're going to use whatever we have to offer to God whenever he calls us to use it, whether if it's in that moment. There are times, seriously, God has specifically given me strengths. And I want to live out those strengths most of the time. But sometimes, he's going to call me to do something I'm not comfortable with doing. I'll just do it. I will do that. But I need to maximize. I need to enhance. I need to, I need to focus on my strengths so I can use them to impact the kingdom of God. And that's what Shamgar did. That's what he did. See, I believe this concept of strength... The strengths concept falls under the, falls under the biblical category of gifts. The idea of are using our gifts. And, and this idea of focusing on the things that we do best or honestly think about it, the things that energize us. There are certain, certain things that energize you. The way I put it sometimes, if I cut you, what do you bleed? Like when I cut you, you just bleed. You, when I start talking about, boy, you light up. You're, you're all over it. Those, those are the things that we're talking about. And, and this idea of focusing on what we do best and focusing on what energizes us is, is in line with 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. It says, each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Think about it. Using our gifts is not just a good idea. Like I said, it is not just an option we can choose to do or not to do. God has given us a command. God commands us to use our gifts, our talents, and our abilities to glorify him and to serve others. 
If you have a gift, you have a strength, you have to use it. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, it reminds us, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each one of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according with your, in accordance with your faith. When we use our gifts, then we are being good stewards. That's what the Bible says. If you use your gift, you're being a good steward of the gifts that God has given you. But the opposite, my friends, is also true. There's another side of that coin. If you are not using your gifts, if you are not using your strengths, then you are not being a good steward of what God has given you, and you will be judged for not using the gifts, talents, abilities, strengths that God has given you. So when you use them, when you use them, you're being a good steward. When you're not using them, you are not being a good steward of what God has given you. We are told each of us should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others. In other words, your gifts, my gifts, our gifts are not just about us. It's not about us. I find it frightening sometimes when younger believers kind of figure out their gifts really early on, but they don't have the spiritual maturity and know how to use them, and they misuse them, and they spiritually abuse people in the church. Because they, they, their pride overwhelms them because they're a great speaker or they're a great this or they found out they, they can do this or that, and their, prime, their pride overwhelms them. We gotta be real careful. We gotta be careful that we have to use the reason that God has given you your strengths is to serve other people. To build his kingdom by serving other people. It's not about you. And if you're, if you're wondering, I'm not sure what my gifts and abilities and talents and all, 301, David mentioned it earlier, 301 is a perfect class for you. 301 is a perfect class. It'll help you. It's, it's how th- our classes are how we t- you take the next step in your spiritual journey and your spiritual growth. So you want to make sure you sign up for those. Um, if you, a lot of people I know can't make it this morning, but we want to make sure we, we all go through each one of those classes. Shamgar was using his gifts and he's using his talents. He's using his strengths not to serve himself, not for himself. He was using them to defend his friends. He was using them to defend his family. He was using them to defend his farm. He was using them to defend his country. Shamgar also saved Israel. He too saved Israel. He was using the gifts that God had given him, using the talent that God had given him, using the strengths that God had given him to save his nation. The Philistines were coming down and they were basically waiting for the crops to be ready. And they come in and pillage all the crops. What were they? What was he going to feed his family? What was he going to be able to sell or give to his neighbors and, and sell to the people around him so they wouldn't starve when it was dry season or when it was getting cold? What was he going to use? This was life and death. He wasn't thinking about just himself. He was thinking about everyone around him that he dearly loved. He was using his strengths to protect the people around him. Like Shamgar, our goal, our goal should be to tell God's story through our lives. Shamgar told his story through his life. Our goal is not just to focus on myself. It's not about me. 
It's to benefit and to build up other people, especially those within the family of Christ, especially those within the church. We are to use our gifts and our strengths to build each other up, to benefit those around us. That's what God calls us, each one of us, to do. And finally, the ultimate purpose, the ultimate purpose in using your gifts or your strengths is honestly flat out to glorify God. That's why, that's why we do it. We do it, all of it, to glorify God. We want to use our strengths to tell a story through our lives that glorifies God by serving his purposes in the world. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to glorify him by serving, by serving his purposes in the world. The most effective way for you to do that is to be working in your area of strength as often as much as humanly possible. To work in your area of strength as much there are going to be times where you have to pick up. If God says pick up that board and bring it over here, there are times you just have to pick up the board. But God wants you to use, he wants you to work in your area of strength as much as humanly possible. The Gallup poll said that only 20% of people right now are, are working in their area of strength every single day. 20%. Somehow, that, if, if that's happening in the body of Christ, that needs to change. That statistic for us needs to change. We need to be using our gifts more often. For example, you may not be utilizing your strengths at work right now. And you're frustrated. What you need to do is start utilizing those strengths within the body of Christ, serving within the body of Christ. You need to be utilizing those strengths in your community, serving in some organization in the community. Because honestly, guys, you never know, you never know where that's going to lead. God can use those opportunities where you're using your strengths outside of your work to bring about things you never thought possible. All of a sudden, you're serving within the church, you're serving within the community, and using your strengths, and someone comes to you and says, so what do you actually do for a living? Well, I'm working over here. Do you want to be doing that? Well, not particularly, because you really shine here, and my brother has a company, or I'm starting a whatever. Have you ever thought about this? And then you begin, you get those opportunities. You never know where things are going to lead. You never know what, what might happen. Okay, so two of the most dynamic people, I believe, in the word of God, two people in the Old Testament who illustrate what I'm talking about really well are Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb love these two guys. Their lives, their lives are a model to all of us to how to truly live a legacy, to live out what I'm talking about. Joshua and Caleb. Now, if you remember, Joshua and Caleb were, were two of the 12 spies that Moses sent out into Canaan, okay, to spy out the land and to basically bring back a report. And out of all the 12 leaders that he sent out, they were the only two that came back with a positive report to Moses and the people and said, man, we can we can do this. We just have to have faith in our God. We can do this. And because they stood out from all the rest and told the people, honestly, they probably didn't want to hear because Canaan was filled with these giants and they were tough and and the other 10 guys were like, whoa, we don't want any part of this. And Caleb and Joshua were like, no, God told us that we should do this. We need to be obedient. We got to go in and do it and it'll work. We, We can do this. And what they got in response was, hey, why don't we kill these two? These guys aren't telling us what we want to hear. 
I don't want to go. How about you want to go fight those? I don't want to go. I've been through enough. I don't want to deal with this. And so they wanted to stone. They wanted to stone Caleb and Joshua for their report. The 12 spies went out with a specific purpose. Spy out the land and bring back a report. That was their goal. That's what Moses said. Spy out the land and bring back a report. They needed, they needed to stay focused. The question was, does the land flow with milk and honey? And what obstacles are in our way to take that land? That was simple. Does it flow with milk and honey? And what are the obstacles in our way to achieve our goal? Only Caleb and Joshua were able to fulfill the task that they were called to by Moses and by God. They said, listen, guys, this is exactly the way God described it. It does flow with milk and honey. Yes, there are there are there are giants in the land, if you will. There are tough people, but we can take them. We can do this. We just need to be obedient to God's call. God has called us to this vision. I know there are obstacles all along the way, but we can do this. We, we can do this. And they stayed focused on God and believed in their strength. And we know how their story ends. We know how their, we know their legacy. We know their legacy. I love what Joshua chapter 10, I'm sorry, 14 verses 10 and 11 says. It's what it says about Caleb's life. Listen to this. Now then. Just as the Lord promised, I love this verse. He kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I'm just, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. I want to live that kind of life. That's, that's what I want people to say about me. I'm, I am looking forward to when I'm 85 years old and I'm still a part of this church. And I don't care if I have to come up here with a cane. Okay. I want to preach that sermon. Okay. And I want to be able to say I'm just as vigorous. Maybe my, I've had hip replacement. Maybe my shoulders don't work like they used to. I have tendonitis, blah, blah, blah. I can hardly hear. Okay. But I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Give me this hill country up there where the giants live. That's what Caleb said. That's what he said. This is the kind of guy he was. That's who I want to be. That's the legacy. This was his legacy. What I just read to you. The other 10 spies, who were like off with his head, what an idiot, what, don't listen to him. They all died of the plague, okay? They died of the plague. And everyone 20 years older, 20 years old and older, who followed after them, okay, who followed after them, wandered in the wilderness their entire lives until every single one of them was dead. They were all dead. They never got to fulfill their purpose. They never got to fulfill the vision. They never were able to live in the land of milk and honey. And this, that was their legacy. And we're still talking about it today. This is what this, this is what it says. Listen to Numbers 13, 31 through 33. Notice the focus here. But the men who had gone up with them said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they began to spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. When you don't focus, when you don't focus on Jesus Christ... 
and you don't focus on your strengths, that's what happens. You lose focus. You don't see things from God's perspective and you lose focus and you're defeated before you even get started. Is that the kind of legacy you want to leave? That you are literally defeated before you even get into the fight. You're defeated before you even get started. That's their legacy. At the end, listen, at the end of, of, of Joshua's life, he encouraged all the people. He encouraged everyone around him, all the people to choose God over everything else. He said, choose God over everything else. Basically saying to live as Christ, to die as gain in the Old Testament. Just choose God over everything else. And then here's the deal. This is so sad and so great at the same time. That he did everything that God commanded Moses to accomplish. Joshua got to accomplish everything that Moses was commanded to accomplish that Moses was called to get done. The Bible says this about Joshua's leadership, under his leadership. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Everyone was fulfilled. Let that sink in for a second. Wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be great for yourself, for you? Think about yourself right now. Wouldn't it be great for you? To have every one of God's promises fulfilled in your life as it was with Moses. I mean, as it was with Joshua and it was with Caleb. Wouldn't it be amazing to get to the end of your life, be walking along, and just fall over dead. You get to heaven, you're like, Lord, man. I, and he's like, no, you, are, you, you did it all. The last thing I wanted you to do is go, and drop. That's what I want. That was, I had that from the beginning of eternity. You were going to go, and then drop dead. You did it. You did it. God's like, well done, my good and faithful servant. See, I don't, I, I don't know what disappointment looks like on the face of God. I just don't ever want to see it. I want to, I, 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 you say, well, I literally, yes, I literally would love to walk across water. I want to pass through the sea. I want to fight the lions. I want to take on the giants. I just don't, I don't know about you, but I just don't want to read about it. I want to live that legacy in my own life. So I leave that kind of legacy for those who come after me. That's how I want to live my life. I don't want to live a, people like, oh, Christianity is boring. You're boring. God's not boring. The Bible's not boring. Christianity's not boring. Living out your faith is not boring. If you're bored, you are boring. Right? I mean, let's just be honest. Just to be, take it. You're boring. Look what I'm reading to you. This is amazing. This is unbelievable. And God is saying, we can have that. We can live out that same example. We can be walking along, have fulfilled everything that God has purposed for our lives and created us to do. And then our lives are over. Listen, God hasn't called you. God hasn't called us to be a people who live a story of fearful and defeated lives. But for us to rise up, he's called us and he has designed us to rise up and to fulfill the purpose for which we are called. Is it easy? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. It isn't easy. But we can do it in the power of Christ, in the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. We can do it. We need to be locked in with the same focus that Caleb and Joshua had. We need to be locked in and follow their example. Whose example are you following? 
If you're not following the example of someone who's truly leading, then walk away from that person and follow someone's example that will lead you to a place where you fulfill everything that God has designed you to be. Listen to Hebrews 13, 17. It says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That's why I say, I want to do those things. I don't just want to read about them. And maybe it may be different from me, whatever it means to take on the lions or to face the giants or walk across water or to walk through the sea. It may be totally different from me. I just want to experience what that is like. To have that kind of faith and for God to give you that kind of opportunity. The key to that, the key to success is to focus on your strengths, to focus on your God-given strengths and to trust the God who called you. Trust the God who called you. We need to decide, honestly, before the Lord, we need to decide this morning that we are going to live in our strengths. We are going to act out our strengths and we're going to challenge one another to do the same. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need to challenge each other to live out our strengths. Your story, honestly, your story, my story is really our story. It is God working through every single one of us to accomplish his purposes. Only together, only together, together, using our individual strengths, can we tell the story that God wants us to tell, that God desires for us to tell. I don't want to grow. I'm not like, oh, I can't wait till I'm really, really old. But you know what? I think about what it's like to be really, really old and have my, grand, my grandkids sitting around me, my great-grandkids sitting around me, I'll probably live long enough to really get to know my great-grandkids, if that be God's will. And to be able to sit around at a certain age and just regale them with stories of what God has done in your life. You know what I'm saying? And they'll be like, man, I want to I wanna, I wanna be like Pops. I want to be able to go and do and experience. And that was such, that's so exciting. All those things you're able to tell, all the true stories that you're able to share with them. And they're looking at saying, I want that kind of life. Paul said, it. follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Why can't we say that? Follow my example, kids. Grandkids, great grandkids, as I try to follow the example of Christ, make the decision this morning to begin to use your strengths to glorify God for his glory. Defending himself against 600 soldiers, if you will, with an ox goad definitely, definitely makes Shamgar an example for us to follow. Shamgar could have said the same thing to his children and grandchildren. Follow my example. Follow my example as I try to follow the example of God, what God has called me to. He was a person who did, listen, he was a person who did what he could with the tools he was given. What is in your hand, Moses? Samson, what is in your hand? David, what is in your hand? Put your name in that. And that's what God is saying to you. Put your name blank. What is in your hand? What have I given to you? Whatever it is, I'm going to use it to impact this world. How often, how sad this is, but how often do we fail to make a contribution 
because we mistakenly conclude that our contribution will not matter. It just won't matter. You don't understand who I am. I mean, that ticks me off when you think that. It really does. I don't, it doesn't tick me off because I feel so bad for you. Um, I'm kind of ticked at you. Really? You're really going to sit here after everything you just learned, everything you know about God, and tell me, you ju- I just don't have what it takes. Do you have spit in your mouth? You got what it takes. It's not about what we don't have. It's about what we do have. Jesus caught, taught us that even a cup of water given to someone in need in his name matters, can impact the world. In Mark chapter 9, verse 41, Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. There's a reward because it has to do with what you've been given and how you serve other people. Listen, guys, God doesn't need you to be incredible. Honestly, God doesn't need you to be incredible. He needs you to be available. What is in your hand? What simple thing can you do to impact the lives of the people around you? Use whatever he's given you to further his kingdom. I want to close with a testimony. I'm just going to show you this testimony and then I'll pray. Hey, everyone. As you can tell, I'm at work. I just had to pull over and share something real quick. Um, as I'm delivering, uh, I pull up to this house. The lady walks out because she's checking her, her mailbox for her newspaper. And I have two boxes for her, so we start walking up the driveway together. And she asked me if I had a happy holidays. And I was telling her how busy it was. I told her I had a, a really great uh, Christmas and New Year's. And I, I asked her the same. I was like, how was your holidays? And with tears in her eyes, she said it wasn't good. And um, she said, he's sick. My husband's sick. He has cancer. I continued a small talk to try to change the subject because that's awkward. And uh, I deliver her package. She said, what's your name? I said, Amanda. And she told me her name. I drove off. Um, My heart's pounding. I, I do probably 20 more stops. And I have to go back. Um, you know, with this kind of job, we're on a, a tight schedule. Um, quicker you do it, the better. Quicker you get home. I stopped what I was doing. I went back to that neighborhood and rang her doorbell and uh, asked her. She came down the stairs, and uh, she had tears in her eyes when she saw it was me. She smiled, and I said, ma'am, can I pray with you? And she just broke down. She came out on the front porch and squeezed me so tight. Um, this lady I've never met. She held my hand so tight, and I prayed for her and her family and for her husband. And the point of this is, is a lot of people want the Lord to use them. And and for me as an example, I pray every day for the Lord to use me. But when he's he's trying to use you or when you feel that call and that, that tug on your heartstrings, do you move your feet? Do you move? Because I easily could have just went... I have a hundred stops. I easily could have just went about the rest of my day thinking about it. So when you feel those tugs on your on your heartstrings and you feel like you need to do this, stop and do it. You know what I mean? Um, oh, man. 
that was like the most genuine hug I have received in a long time. And I just want to share that with you guys. If you if you're praying for the Lord to help and to use you in people's situations, when He is giving you a chance, do it. If not, you're gonna you're gonna continue to think about it and think about it and regret it. Like so. Be sure you know what you're praying for when you're praying. I don't know. I just, it, it made me sad, but yet it made my day to, this lady was just so alone. But anyway, you guys have a good day. Let's pray. God, I pray, Lord God, right now that every single one of us would use what you have given to us to impact the lives of others, to glorify your name. Lord, Enough is enough. We need to put away our excuses. We need to stop saying that we're not capable, that we don't have what it takes, and start believing that all it takes is you. All it takes is faith in a living God who can turn an ox goad or a shepherd's staff or a sling or the jawbone of a donkey, or dirt, or spit into something so powerful it changes people's lives. God, I pray that we just put away the excuses as a church and as individuals and start to live by faith and have the passion to believe that we can, we can walk through that water, that parted water, That one day we're going to have an experience, Lord God, that will transform us if we just walk with you. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Have a great week.